Wow. Uh, not in a long time did I think that uh, I would be doing two live shows within an hour of each other. But this is what happens. Welcome to On Texas Football. I'm Bobby Burton, joined uh, by Jerry Hamilton and Ian Boyd, both of Inside Texas. Uh, Joe Cook, beat reporter uh, for the Longhorns, who is at the announcement today from uh, John Bianco, uh, the uh, sports information director of the University of Texas. Quinn Ewers has been named the starting quarterback uh, for your 2022 Texas Longhorns. Uh, Ian, Jerry, welcome in. Initial thoughts on Quinn Ewers being named uh, your starting quarterback for the Longhorns. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm, I was having a tough time seeing it any other way. Um, I, I just was. I mean, look, I, whether it's Tuesday being at the practice, whether it's seeing both guys at the high school level multiple times, um, I, I just think the fit with Sark's offense and the scheme, I think the need for a guy who sees the vertical game, um, and I think see we talked about this in the live last, last live show, Bobby. I, I think seeing it is is early is more more important than actually delivering the football. But I think seeing it creates the more of an accurate guy consistently down the field. Um, but look, I mean, Quinn's just a, he's a really blessed kid. I mean, he's he's blessed with a a ton of talent, and now he's got to go do it. I mean, I say the same thing all the time about quarterbacks and everybody, you know, when we rank quarterbacks and evaluate quarterbacks, everybody wants these certain answers. And now this is what comes with, with it is, you know, now here's the ball, here's a hundred thousand people in the stands and here's the pressure of being the quarterback at the university of Texas or your blue blood programs. Now you have to go do it. Um, and so now that's the next part of the equation, but as far as who won the job, I'm, I, I'm just not surprised. I mean, I, I Tuesday being at this uh, practice, I had a hard time going any different direction. I like Hudson Card. It's nothing. It's nothing. It's just what we're talking about here is the quarterback position. I had a hard time seeing it go any other way. So uh, that's what was made the last 24 hours, 48 hours difficult on me. I just, I, I was like, do I need to schedule an eye doctor appointment or something? I just didn't see it. <laughs> I, 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 uh, I have uh, bringing in Ian Boyd here. Ian X's and O's analyst. Uh, of InsideTexas.com. Uh, Ian, we, we, we've talked back and forth on these two quarterbacks. Uh, I just shot another video with you talking about the ch- differences that Quinn brings than maybe what um, Hudson Card brings and how it might change what Sark tries to do on offense. Yeah. Um, to Jerry's point, play action is obviously the name of the game this season. Uh, I think that would be the case regardless of who the starter is. But I, sometimes when Hudson Card looks best, it's when he's in more of the uh, dropback spread game, reading uh, quick concepts like uh, um, Y-stick, Colt McCoy kind of stuff. You know, quick quick reads and underneath throws. He can be accurate. He can make those reads quickly. Um, Ewers, I think, is on a longer timeline with some of those just before he sees it as cleanly. But on the play action stuff where he gets a clear read off a defender and he's just chucking it, Quinn Ewers is obviously extremely gifted. Um, his timing on that deep corner route that he hit in practice to uh, help me out, was that to was that to Brennan Thompson? It was. It was Brennan Thompson. It was a beautiful throw. He threw it. He threw it right when, you know, when the route was breaking, he was throwing it. Um, that's what – that's exactly what Sark wants to see from this offense in uh, this season is to be able to scheme up play action shots to these speedy guys. Xavier Worthy, obviously, Brennan Thompson probably mixing him in. I think Tariq Milton has some of that ability as well. And then, you know, 
lean on Bijan and then uh, and then uh, constrain it the run game with deep shots. I, I think I think that's an important part of the equation too. Is you know, you have Bijan Robinson for one more season in Austin. I mean, how do you maximize him? And that is part of it. You have to have the whole field. I mean, you can't have stacked boxes. You just can't. Else, you have to have the down the field threat with the arm and with the talent. Um, if you don't, you're going to face too many stacked boxes, and and that is not going to maximize Bijan Robinson. Now, Quinn has to hit enough of those right down the field. But I also think this. I don't think it's just receivers. I think it's tight ends down the field. Who can get those? Who can make those throws? Those layered throws down the field, not just the wideouts, but the tight ends. And how does that maximize Bijan Johnson? And the strength of your offense is your running backs. How do you maximize those guys? I think that plays into it. All right. Hey, I want to bring in Joe Cook now. Uh, Joe, the InsideTexas.com beat reporter uh, for the Longhorns. Joe was in the room where it <laughs> happened, to quote Hamilton. Uh, <laughs> uh, Joe, uh, thanks for coming in and joining us. Uh, give us uh, exactly how it all went down on the 40 acres today. Yeah, so um, we had a little player availability today. Keandre Coburn, Jatagan Sanders, Christian Jones are all available. Um, and then a couple minutes later, you know, just kind of setting, I'm posting audio onto a little program. I'm getting ready to go eat lunch. And uh, John Bianco, the sports information director, walks in and goes, uh, by the way, uh, Steve Sarkeesian wanted me to tell you all that Quinn's a starter. And we're kind of like, wait, what? Like, it's just like that. And uh, yeah, it was just like that. So we all scurry to our our stations and uh, get our story posted. And, uh, you know, glad to, uh, glad to, I think, start operating throughout the rest of camp. At least I am personally knowing who the guy is and uh, how it's going to affect this this upcoming season. I have to ask you, did everybody, did the, all the reporters in the room turn and look at each other and say, did he really just say that? Pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it was exactly, exactly like that. I mean, whenever we, we talk to players, um, they they know not to reveal very much. They don't want to reveal very much anyway. So uh, it's kind of, it's normally background for some other things or, you know, Jerry just mentioned the the tight ends going downfield. Well, we got to talk to Jatavian Sanders today, and that's been a common theme. We want to, you know, get some info about how Sanders feels that way. We'll talk to him, use quotes. weren't expecting any quarterback news, to put it shortly. And then all of a sudden, boom, there it is. And thumbs were, were moving quickly. Uh, <laughs> somebody's dog's going nuts there. Hey, I did have one thing for you guys. Or a couple things uh, on some background news. Um, some people wanted to know, like uh, Doug Cook here, rather Sark just say it. Um, I'm told on background information, I can't really tell you who told me this, uh, but Sark had just told uh, the players themselves not five to ten minutes before, and he wanted he knew after that it was going to leak out some which way, um, and uh, he communicated that to the sports information department at Texas, and uh, they did not want to – have any big to-do about it as far as getting in front of a camera and answering questions. Uh, Sark's next immediate availability is expected to be Monday, uh, and so I'm sure we'll hear from him then. Uh, the Longhorns themselves have a scrimmage coming up tomorrow. I think it begins around 10 a.m. Uh, too. The other thing that I'm hearing, uh, and this is not something that was reported to this point, is that Ewers had a tremendous practice yesterday, particularly in the red zone, 
uh, where the Longhorns did uh, really, really well uh, behind him, uh, whereas uh, Hudson Card did not have as good a day in the red zone. Maybe that uh, led uh, to what it is at this point. Hey, Jerry, um, you know, what is this? Is this just another shot in the arm? Does it have any shot in the arm effect on, on the recruiting trail now that the guy had, that we thought was going to be the heir apparent is the heir apparent? Or what do you think? Uh, yeah, I think, um, look, I think the timing of it before the scrimmage, we needed to discuss as well. I think that is very important to have this done before the Saturday scrimmage. I really do. Uh, to get the indecision out of the way, the locker room knows uh, everything going into the scrimmage. On the recruiting side, I, th- I think it does. Look, I mean, I don't think a decision was made for that, okay? I just – I trust my eyes. I've been doing this too long. I just don't think it was close what I saw Tuesday. I don't think it was close from the prospects I saw in high school and and, t- and Tuesday in the live practice. I just don't. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but I don't think I am. Um, but from a recruiting standpoint, he's a five-star quarterback. He's a kid that everybody knew. Um, and when he transferred from Ohio State to Texas, that's a big shot in the arm. Ohio State is recruiting some really talented kids from the state of Texas and won a lot of recruitments, especially under Urban Meyer, right? And you have Quinn Ewers come home. You have Ryan Watts come home at the same time from Ohio State. And you're trying to establish a program that can recruit against Alabama, Ohio State, uh, LSU and every Georgia and everybody else nationally. And with the move to the SEC, that's even more added pressure to win those recruitments. And you're seeing this Texas staff have success in Florida, which Texas has never had success in, um, and, and more success in Louisiana. But I think, you know, two guys transferring from Ohio State to Texas, two guys that were nationally recruited and Quinn Ewers being the biggest name, um, obviously has an impact in recruiting. Now what really has an impact in recruiting is if Quinn goes and plays well. Yep. Yeah. Right. Hey, uh, Joe, c- good question here from one of the uh, 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 report, uh, members in the chat. Uh, if Hudson Card enters the portal, who will be the backup? I think it's too early to say that Hudson Har- Card is definitely, definitively going to enter the portal, but is that a possibility? What, what have you heard? Uh, if, as it regards to that, uh, or as it relates to that, uh, based on what you'd heard prior to this announcement, I mean, there's always talk in the background, Hey, if I lose the job, I'm going to do this or that. Had you heard anything like that as it relates to card? Uh, I, I don't think that's something that'll show up yet because I don't, a, there's a couple of reasons that may, what is it? May 1st is the deadline, uh, for you to be able to jump into the portal right away. Uh, and play right away second if he leaves and goes somewhere else is he just going to sit in the portal and wait or does he want to go somewhere right away and oh yeah by the way learn a new offense and gain rapport with new receivers it's not really practical for him to just jump in the portal by the right away and also um i think he finishes his finishes his degree from the mccombs business school uh, uh in, in very soon uh you know third year sophomore who's always on campus during the summer helps you in that, in the, you know, working towards your degree. So uh, it wouldn't really make any sense for him to uh, go ahead and jump into the portal right away, Uh, especially, uh, you know, considering on field what he saw last year, he could be someone who let's say, you know, Quinn has his moments or has something where he's in protocol for a week or something like that. After a game, you're going to need Hudson card and he can't, I mean, he could play if he's in the portal, but we know how Steve Sarkeesian kind of treats players who uh, jump in. Um, I'm sure this that was a conversation 
with with card and with uh, yours about hey you're still going to be needed it's something he said uh throughout all of this preseason throughout the spring stuff like that it just wouldn't make much sense i think at this point for a card to do that for his own career unless he felt like the best thing for him was to literally leave right away go join somebody else's camp before finishing his degree at Texas and then compete for a job that he's not really well built to win. I don't think that's something that's going to happen. Um, I guess that still would want to make the question, who is the third quarterback? Uh, I don't know if y'all, I was spending most of my time focusing on the ones or twos uh, throughout the spring, even with his ankle injury, uh, Malik Murphy was getting a lot of those third string snaps I don't know if that's something that continued, but uh, the the candidates for that third string spot are probably uh, Malik Murphy, uh, walk on Ben Ballard, and then Charles Wright. That may even be the pecking order at this point. Uh, but I, I think if you're Texas, you hope that even with this announcement, you don't have to get to that today. Yeah, I, I will say this. I, I saw uh, the workouts on Tuesday. Um, Malik Murphy was with the first group of guys on the uh, – north end of the field but he did not take snaps so he would have been ostensibly the number three quarterback uh whereas charles wright and ben ballard were thrown to the uh, to the walk-ons and, and uh guys in the threes and fours group hey bobby i want to lead joe into something else because i thought what he said was awesome and he's de he's dealt with hudson at texas i i dealt with hudson at under armor all america game and in, in high school he's always been a professional kid to me i mean he's he's a kid who handle last year the ups and downs of everything like a professional kid i don't see that mindset changing i think that's who he is and like joe said he's so close uh to getting his degree i and he's a play away i, I mean look he should know from last year he's a play away and that play is going to happen at some point this year i mean the, what are the odds that the same guy's going to take every snap at quarterback at texas this year it's not I mean, it's just not probably going to happen. But he's always handled everything like a professional. And and that's a kid you never say he's not going to have success in life no matter what happens with football. I know Joe can speak to his interactions with him. Yeah, I mean, we got to, to work with him a, a good amount last year in the preseason throughout the season. You can even ask Texas Homer, who did videos with them last year, that, I mean, it, it kind of speaks to that professionalism that even as the backup and someone still trying to earn those first things, first string snaps every single week that he would go through that. He always spoke highly of the team of Casey uh, of, you know, going through that process. Professional is, is, I think is a great way to put it. A lot of that comes from, you know, even before you got your hands on him at Under Armour from Lake Travis oh, yeah. with, with coach Hank Carter there uh, in that Cav program, uh, working with Will Stein, who was at Texas, I think is now is, is at UTSA. He's UTSA. been around college coaches for, you know, or college level coaches, high level coaches for the past five years or something like that. And he knows the, the right way to, to operate with them. And, and we'll go back and forth on this. You know, he knows that he's a play away just from last year. So um, I, I also think that Steve Sarkeesian, I mean, he had to make the right decision no matter what, uh, what he believed was the right decision no matter what. But I bet he was he had it in the back of his mind that, you know, what, even if I do this, I'm going to have a professional type who's there and willing to help out, uh, even if he's not the guy who is quarterback one again. Uh, Ian, I want to ask you, uh, you know, what what you think of this uh, as the ex exit of those guys for for Inside Texas. 
Uh, Sark had mentioned how he wants to have a starter and not share time. He wants QB1 to have flow, not feel forced because his throws, number of throws are limited or shared. How important do you think that is? And, and was that also a part of naming a, a starter when apparently the race has been fairly tight throughout camp? Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Um, yeah, I think for sure in games is what Sark is thinking there in terms of like pulling back and forth between quarterbacks. Uh, I noticed that when, uh, after card was pulled last year, when he would get in the game against say Texas tech, his play got a little more reckless. It looked like he was trying to prove something. Um, I, I think Sark wants to avoid that, especially with a young guy like Quinn Ewers. You don't want him to feel like he has to make something happen. You want to make him feel like, he can make mistakes and it's not going to be, he's not going to get yanked on the next drive. Uh, he can take it one read at a time, you know, one play call at a time and, and just execute calmly and professionally. So, um, I mean, but we'll see, uh, I shouldn't eulogize cards, Texas career just yet. No. Uh, Alabama looming in week two, even if, um, even if Quinn is, uh, plays well, they're, there's still the risk of injury, you know, in, in that game in particular, and, and certainly throughout the rest of the year. So uh, I, we may have to, we may all have to come back on eventually if there's more quarterback drama in the future. I, there will inevitably be quarterback drama at the university oh, yeah. of Texas. I mean, that, no. that is the way of the world. <laughs> Where are you going to say, Joe? I, I, I saw, um, I'm looking through the thread uh, over on inside Texas and there's a, there's a pretty good comment um, that remember Steve Sarkeesian's really confident in himself as a play caller. There's a, there's a sense of him that thinks like, you know what? I can get guys open and it's Manny being Manny. He goes, Sark betting on himself to scheme clean enough looks for Quinn. I don't know if that's the, the exact right way to think about it, but I think that definitely makes sense. It's like, look, I have this guy with arm talent. I have my offensive know-how me, Steve Sarkeesian. I have my offensive know-how. I can make this work. Oh, and by the way, I can hit the 60-yard bombs too at a probably a higher clip than I want. I hadn't thought about that. Um, he had even mentioned it, but as far as most of the mention with that was referencing offensive line when it came to guys like Kelvin Banks, DJ Campbell. Like, you know what? If this guy only knows 60% of the playbook, but he gets that 60% really well, then that works for the offensive line. I guess you can extrapolate that at some point to quarterback and just think about – Steve Sarkeesian being confident in his own play calling ability uh, to where he can help clean things up for Quinn Ewers to make things a little bit easier for a guy who should be still, you know, in his first couple of months on a college campus. Hey, Bobby, hey, Bobby, I think that ties in the recruiting. And I think it's a great point because what is Sark's offense known for? It's known for an attacking vertical offense, guys on the move, not stationary targets, not a ton of short game passing stuff the play action game. And that's where it ties in the recruiting, right? I mean, yeah, look, that, that's what I wanted to ask you about this question that we've got here, right? How much of this is a decision about instead of about week one, but three years from now? 
Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, that football is recruiting now. Even the defensive players talk about offensive football, right? And we've talked about this on the show. These kids all grew up playing basketball. It's like I was at Jordan Hall's uh, school at Jacksonville Westside last week, and I said, when did you realize you love football when I scored my first touchdown? I mean, this it's some of this stuff's pretty easy, right? I mean, and Sark is known for having one of the most fun offenses, attacking vertical offenses, play-action game a, a, in college football. And that's an important thing for him to have in recruiting. And you have – and I've just always believed that's part of Quinn Ewer's fit in that is – well, he he can execute that offense, and that doesn't mean it's not going to come with interceptions. Or he's a freshman; he's never thrown a pass in college football. But when you tie Sark's offense in the recruiting and what you want to have coming into your program, the wide receivers you want to attract, that's a big part of it because that's what you're selling kids on. That's where it factors in the recruiting. I, I completely agree. I, I think I you know. As we're as we're talking about this stuff, one of the things that that grabs me and what we both know or what we all know to be true is that we felt like Card had more of a grasp of the offense from from his year experience with Sark, right? So he has a greater grasp. But to your point, if it's only they only need sixty percent of the offense to do what he wants to do. And part of that is definitely focusing on B. John Robinson this year and how good he is. At what level do you need all of that passing game when you're really trying to, to, to push the, the run game? And frankly, the run game, if you're going to start two or three freshman offensive linemen, they're probably going to be more advanced in the run game than they are in pass protection at this stage too, right? And so that plays a little bit. And so keeping teams honest deep and not allowing them to have the safeties run up uh, on play action, I think is, is a is a big deal. I, I think it's something that nobody can really uh, appreciate or doesn't appreciate uh, necessarily. Um, third down, to your point, third down is the concern. That's where your quarterback needs to have a better understanding of protections. He needs to have a better understanding of defenses and defensive personnel. He needs to know how to study, and he needs to know how to make those progressions because you can't count on play action or Bijan on third and eight. Uh, well, yeah, actually, Texas did that a couple times last year, but it didn't go so great. Um, I kind of wonder if Sark feels uh, good about his tight ends and yes. scheming up some tempo to help yours avoid facing third down packages. If you've got two tight ends on the field, uh, you get stuffed on second and, and seven, it's third and six. You hurry up to the line, you flex out your tight ends, the defense can't get in their exotic package in. And it makes it simpler. So I, I do. I do wonder if the. Um, I thought that would be a boon to Card if they named it to him the starter, but it's it's certainly a boost to Quinn Ewers if the tight ends help him. Uh, just in a lot of ways, either in, in blocking and protecting for him, or in flexing out and, and protecting him from you know Nick Saban's third down machinations. All right, but I think that's a great point, by the way, Ian. And we we talked about this on the live show. I think tight ends the most improved position in the program. So I think a safety blanket is going to exist that was not as consistent a year ago and didn't have the talent that it does this year. I think that absolutely plays into it, and I think uh, we're going to see a lot of that. I think Ian hit the nail on the head. All right, I'm going to go to this question, uh, because, I, and I want everybody to answer it on, on this. And, Jerry, I'll just start with you. What is the ceiling with Texas and Quinn Ewers as their QB this year? Because ultimately that's what this is all about. Yeah, Um I, I think this. I think the ceiling is. Look, I mean, 
are we talking a win number or what are we talking about offense? I mean, that's the question. I mean, I think probably a win number as it relates to offense, because this is going to be an offense first team, we think. Yeah. I mean, I've always, I've said all along, eight wins is a target for me. That's a three win improvement from five and seven. And once you hit eight wins, it's hard to negative recruit against Sarkeesian and the trajectory of the program. Uh, and, and I think that's a big number. And if it goes to nine or 10, great. I mean, even at seven and five, it's not all, nothing's lost with that. But I think you hit eight wins this year, the negative recruiting pitches are going to slow down quite a bit. But I, and then as far as the, what it, Quinn could do as far as the ceiling is the downfield passing game. It's just, it's fitting in that offense. It's making it an exciting offense to watch. If, if Brennan Thompson's four yards behind the corner, and he body catches the ball and he doesn't finish the play. That's still an exciting brand of offense. Now we have a fast guy running down the field and a guy with a, a rocket of an arm getting them the ball down the field. I mean, so it's not all about the executed plays. It's about the style of play. And I think Quinn Ewers raises the ceiling of the style of play. Um, Joe, what do you think? So um, last year I'm looking up some, some stats and uh uh, SP plus, at least for offense, which, you know, really values explosive plays. Uh, Texas was 29th last year. Now, if you look at some of the more conventional stuff, you know, total offense, number 47, passing offense, number 72. So there were some good things that quarterbacks did, but nobody could get in a rhythm. You had the thumb, uh, downfield shots were missed, as we've seen very many videos kind of account for. This is kind of a hope that not only will you continue to build on those explosive plays, which Jerry's emphasized a ton, uh, but also that you can, you know, hopefully rely on these guys to help you just with the total offense and uh, make sure that, you know, uh, you're not only do you have that explosiveness, but you also have the reliability that a run game that involves B. John Robinson has that even, you know, some of the underneath and not always those deep shot routes can, can help produce. So, uh, you're just hoping for more, you know, consistency. If you're going to have spurts of inconsistency, you would hope that it, you know, you have that home run ability. It's kind of the way it's the way baseball has gone. A lot of more home runs, a lot more strikeouts because, you know, the value of that home run is so much greater than maybe that 10 yard run or something like that. So um, I think you're, you're just hoping, uh, you know, even for an offense that was moderately explosive as SP plus shows, uh, you can get more from that. And, of course, you'll just get more points, and that leads to and, and more offense as a result as well. Ian, what do you think of the, the ceiling for the Longhorns this year? I, it kind of depends on what um, his growth, his learning curve looks like over the course of the season. Um, I would tend to think that the ceiling with Hudson Card, if he, was a vet, if he offered veteran play, would be a Big 12 championship. I don't know if you can count on that same ceiling with Quinn Ewers, in part just because, you know, we haven't even seen him react to a single game yet. Uh, but I do think Jerry's right that the ceiling, um, the goal for Sark is lower if Quinn Ewers is on the field offering promising play. You got all these freshman linemen and, and, and Quinn Ewers out there. You win eight games and score a lot of points. That's, that's a win, right? Um, if you, if you, if you roll with Hudson Card, you almost have to win more unless he offers similar exciting play in order to, uh, you know, maintain the momentum around the program that they've built with offseason recruiting. 
Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. All right. Hey, I got to I got to ask you this, Joe. And this is a great question about every Texas starting quarterback because we saw it a year ago with uh, Hudson Card. Uh, how long is the leash for Quinn Ewers? Well, I think when you watched Card last year, it was it wasn't, you know, necessarily bad throw, interception, you know, it was you took a sack. You didn't make the right read. Uh, you got happy feet. So if Quinn Ewers is out there and sees Xavier Worthy open, uh, but just misses the throw and, you know, throws, if he's making the right reads, but missing throws, I don't know if he's just not making reads. I bet that, that, that leash gets short pretty quickly. Um, I don't think, however, Steve Sarkeesian wants to repeat what he did last year. Uh, you know, I always say first years suck. Um, because you have situations at various important spots like quarterbacks where you don't have real clarity. Um, th- th- you don't have that excuse this year. You don't have that rationale to hide behind this year. But as long as far as how long the leash is, man, that, uh, I, I would have to think that it's longer than last year because, because of Quinn's age, honestly, and because you already kind of know that with this decision – you've laid your cards out on the table uh, for, you know, what the future of your quarterback room may be looking like. So I I feel like he gives a little bit more leeway uh, than he did last year, uh, just because of the, 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 I guess what we've been talking about, both these guys are and Quinn specifically takes the, the ceiling a little bit higher, at least as far as his ability to hit those downfield passes. Um, Uh, Bobby, uh, Bobby, I wanted to add, I, when we talk about a leash, I, I, I think people need to get past the Bama game. And, and that was card, yours, whoever. Nick Saban's so talented, he has to leave NFL draft picks at home when they go on the road, okay? I mean, that's how talented Alabama is. He has to tell guys they're going to be draft picks. They don't get to make the road trip. I think Texas Tech is where the leash begins. That's a, t- for a, a road game, hostile environment to begin Big 12 play. I think that's where it begins. I think the first three games are really learning experiences um, in favorable matchups in game one, right? Tough matchups in game two. Game three against Jeff Trailer's team, he's going to play you really hard, and it's actually a great growth game. But then when you start Big 12 play and you're on the road in a hostile environment against a first-year coach that's going to have – that place is going to have unbelievable energy. I think that's where the leash really begins. And and one more thing, I I think that's also good to push back against this notion that uh, you know Steve Sarkeesian may have thought about throwing Hudson Card out there for the first two games and then pulling him after Alabama to protect Quinn Ewers. That's that's a loser mentality, in my opinion. You you if you think that guy's good enough to play, you play him in the twelve games. If you think the other guy's good enough to play, you play him in the twelve games. I don't think that 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 whole notion that I think we've seen a lot. Uh, among, you know, we've read it plenty. I'm sure it's pretty common among the fan base that like, oh, put this guy out there for, you know, losing him on row and then for Bama. And then once he's broken, you make the switch. That's that's not how things work. And you, you play the guy you think gives yourself the best chance to win. And that's what we saw today.
If you're joining us now, uh, breaking news, uh, Quinn Ewers has been named the starting quarterback for the 2022 uh, Texas Longhorns. Uh, Sark uh, naming him uh, today. Joe Cook was there when the sports information director, John Bianco of the University of Texas, came into the room uh, and told the, the pool reporters uh, just exactly what was going on. Uh, Joe, I want to talk to you a little bit more about that. Um, when when you got the word that it was um, uh, when it was that it was uh, Quinn Ewers over Hudson Card, uh, what was what were your very first thoughts? Like what was it? Oh, I got to do my I got to go to work. Was it? Wow, he really made this call. Um, you know, what were your your initial thoughts in that regard? Yeah, it was. I got to go to work. Luckily, we were we were ready for this, but. Um, I, I kind of woken up this this morning and thought whether it's Hudson Card or whether it's Quinn Ewers, this is going to be a football decision because Steve Sarkeesian can't afford to let other things, you know, I, I know recruiting does matter, but recruiting suffers if you don't win on the field. So I was going my whole rationale, whether it be Card or, or Ewers, was that this is a, a football decision about who wins more games for Texas this year. Um, and it has to do with the on-field stuff, the ability to throw down field, uh, the ability to, you know, open things up for Bijan Robinson underneath, as y'all mentioned, um, utilizing tight ends in certain ways, as Ian mentioned. I, I The one thing I thought of was that this is always going to boil down to, you know, what is better on the field. I, I think you could – there may be this notion that like NIL and, you know, all the things that Quinn has or, or, you know, guys who help may, may have been influential and, in, you know, some of the NIL efforts or anything like that to force Sark's hand. I don't think that really holds. I always thought that whatever decision this was going to be came down to on the field metrics and on the field performance and on the field ability. And that's what the decision came down to. And it just happened to be uh, with Quinn. I, Joe, staying with you real quick, um, you know, we've talked about it a bunch, but how close was this QB battle in your opinion? I and think I'll it was close. Ian, I, mean, I, I want to get Ian's point too, because Ian had a, a little bit different take eventually, but I want you to answer first. I mean, I, I I try to, you know, put what I know out there. And I think what I had heard from people I'd talked to uh, who were close to the program were close to what everything that we'd heard. We, we kind of had this notion and we were, that you know if a good performance from Hudson Card happened on Saturday that that might give him the the edge in this now that would that mean that there, he would have been named on Saturday not exactly sure but I think uh, we were all a little caught a little bit uh, by surprise not only at the timing but uh, just because of what so many had told us at at, at uh, or sources had told us throughout the course of the past week it didn't seem like it was going this way until it went this way. Yeah. I, I we reported that, uh, let, I, I was told that, uh, yesterday afternoon, uh, at the practice Quinn Ewers, uh, per performed extremely well in the red zone, whereas Hudson card did not. Is that, was that the ultimate deciding factor? We don't know. Um, it's, it's one of those things. Ian, uh, you mentioned that performance in the red zone is a place where you think that Ewers, uh, because of his style of play, might really be more well fit uh, for the big time than Hudson Card. You told me that at, at a previous uh, time. Yeah, just in the red zone, 
you got to force the ball in. Um, it just becomes about sheer power, either running over the opponent or forcing the ball into a tighter window. And uh, guard actually has some of that, but certainly Quinn Ewers, there's no beating his arm. If it's just, you know, hey, you got you got to throw the ball into this tight window and it's going to be right here. Do you love Quinn Ewers for that? I think in terms of the battle being close or not, I, I suspect it was close in regards to a limited Bijan centric offense built around play action. I think it, it very well might have been close in terms of who was going to execute from a limited menu of, uh, of uh, complementary schemes to Bijan Robinson. I think if you factored in um, drop back passing, uh, running and some other things that may or may not matter for Sark as much this year, uh, then Hudson Card. It's not close. I think Hudson Card is, is ahead of him in, in many of those places, but it seems that uh, they may not matter. Yeah, I, I, Joe mentioned what a what a uh, on tech or inside Texas member had posted that uh, you know if Sark's pretty confident in his ability to draw up plays and, and figure this stuff up. Hey, Jerry, um, asking you this question. Um, you know, we talk about recruiting a lot and as it relates to naming, uh, players, uh, starters, what have you, um, sticking with the, the quarterback's theme now that Texas is basically going to start a true freshman, uh, who graduated a high school a year early. You already know they're probably starting two freshman offensive linemen. Uh, Jalen Gilbo is the starter at star until, uh, possibly, uh, 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 Jay Barron gets back in. Then you have Ethan Burke and Justice Finkley on the defensive line. They're coming in. You know, what is that sort of thing, this theme of younger players taking key roles? Uh, how does that play into the mind of a recruit? I think it's huge. Um, look, and those guys have to go have success. And that the success more is on the quarterback, is, is how somebody's judged, right? Or the quarterback's judged differently. Um, if Kelvin Banks gives up a sack to Dallas Turner, he's not really going to be judged negatively. Dallas Turner is going to be a top 10 draft pick, okay? But I think future recruits seeing these kids on the field starting, competing day one absolutely matters in recruiting. It factors in the recruiting because I guarantee you this, you're, you know, Nick Saban, if you think about it, everybody thinks, well, kids have to wait at Alabama. Evan Neal started as a true freshman at Alabama. You know who started him? Kyle Flood. Okay? I mean, so this is – the best players play no matter where they go, and sometimes that is for recruiting purposes, and then sometimes guys just win the win the job or they know they're going to develop and win the job. Um, so I think it absolutely factors in recruiting. The more of those guys that these kids see going playing early, having success, impacting winning, playing in a fun – offense absolutely matters in recruiting. Uh, the only other thing uh, that I would say about the quarterback competition, I, I mean, one thing we we talk about all the – Hudson Carter was going to have an advantage going into practice because he'd been a year in the program. I mean, so when you're in the seven-on-seven seven setting, where, where all the things we, we saw Tuesday in a practice setting, he should have the edge on that. But here's the big thing in the quarterback competition, who takes somebody out of the box. Who, who, how many times, who gets the guy out of the box to where you're playing against a six and seven man box instead of a seven and eight man box? That's where the quarter quarterback competition was won. Got it. Um, what is it? Send, I'm asking this, sticking on a recruiting piece. 
what kind of uh, message does it send to Arch Manning? Or does this just irrelevant? Because Arch Manning was probably looking, most likely looking at a redshirt year uh, coming in as a freshman. Like, you know, it, you just never know, right? But um, what does that what does that mean to him? Yeah, I don't. I I don't know if this has any any impact in that. I mean, look, there's some chatter, and I was at Isidore Newman last week, and I I don't think it makes it says anything to Arch. Um, there's a chance that Arch is looking at Texas as an opportunity to redshirt and really acclimate himself to college football. Um, if he's if he's looked at, and this is comes from you know people I talked to last week. If he gets to Texas and that situation is you're going to compete for the starting job, he's going to be ready. He's coming in in January, right? He's going to be ready for either scenario. I, he, he made a decision based on football and life uh, outside of football, the university he wanted to attend and where he was most comfortable. So his decision was not based on am I going to start as a freshman or not. If he gets a chance to compete, he's absolutely going to jump in there and compete. But that's not why his decision was made. All right. Joe, uh, question real quick on Ajay Hall's status, uh, suspended indefinitely from team activities over the weekend. Uh, you hear anything of late there? Uh, it sounds, yeah, still suspended. He wasn't at that open practice. Um, I, I wonder, in, in, in as people have, as Sarkeesian has noted, missing, I think a lot of people uh, Joe's may be response, uh, Joe's uh, audio not on or my audio not on. I don't, not, not sure which. Um, could be uh, interrupted there. You got me yeah. now? Let me go to uh, Ian. Uh, Ian, after the Ajay Hall thing, um, we talked about the, the receiver room, um, and Texas had Bobby's audio. Yeah, it's Bobby, because I heard Joe, too. Ooh. There you go. And it was my fault? Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it was working. I thought I was sitting there saying, oh, Joe's audio is off. Sorry. My apologies, guys. Joe, go ahead and say what you're saying again on a Jai yeah. Hall. Um, I think the thing with the Jai Hall that uh, was mentioned, we've mentioned on Inside Texas a ton, Steve Sarkeesian mentioned it a ton, um, is that this wasn't just one incident with UT parking. Who, Yeah, okay, cool, they suck. Uh, but you don't take a, a dang crowbar to a – to a boot like you already messed up enough to get the boot don't make it worse and it wasn't like that was the first thing that that happened with with hall uh here as we've talked about it or at inside texas um so uh, right now he's not i don't think he's practicing not not with team activities they're working to get him back but uh it's a two-way street and i wouldn't i don't think uh if if steve sarkeesian wants to keep up the the seeming improvements that he's made to his culture over the course of the past six months that he'd let someone who uh, has not done a lot of those core cultural tenets uh, over the course of his time at Texas, just onto the team all of a sudden because of injury. That's uh, uh less miles did that. And uh, I don't think Sarkeesian's a less miles disciple. <laughs> that, that's a, that's not a mouthful there. That's just the truth, right? Um, <laughs> hey, Ian, uh, the, the other players that are filling in with Nayor out, Hall out. Uh, we saw a lot from Brennan Thompson on the deep ball on, on us. Tuesday night. I mean, he caught a couple of beautiful deep ones, had some uh, hands problems early in practice, but uh, really came through at the end of it. Uh, then you have Worthy, M Whittington, Milton, and Casey Kane. Uh, how do you feel this uh, receiver group fits with uh, with uh, uh, Quinn Ewers? 
Well, the speedy young guys certainly have a lot of opportunities in a Quinn Ewers play-action-based offense. Um, it becomes straightforward if, uh, you know, Brennan Thompson, Brennan Thompson is obviously going to be at his best if he has, uh, if he can be schemed into positions to just go run by people. And um, I think that'll be a little easier potentially with Quinn Ewers, assuming he's better at play-action than Hudson Card. Um, that definitely would seem to be the case at some point in Ewers' development. And um, they have a lot of guys like that. They have Tariq Milton tended to get a lot of his work at Iowa State in play action and just running down the field. I believe Tariq Milton was the guy that caught that like 60-yard bomb from Brock Purdy against Texas in 2019 in Ames before yep. halftime. It was. So, uh, yep. So um, that's definitely a, a, a fit for him. It um, might make it a little easier to incorporate those two guys in particular with Quinn Ewers. Uh, without knowing what exactly they have planned in the RPO game and how much emphasis they want to put on that or where Quinn Ewers is in his execution of the RPO game. But um, certainly in play action, a lot of these guys, easy fit. Hey, Joe. Yeah. Hey, Joe, question for you real quick. And this is a little something different. Um, you had, you were there uh, today. We're recapping a little bit here, but Quinn Ewers named the starting quarterback for 2022 for the Longhorns, you were there when uh, John Bianco came in the room, named Ewers the starter. Uh, Joe, were there, were there still players in there available from their their media availability? Or had they already left? They they had already walked out, so everybody was getting ready to leave. Hey, what are you doing this weekend? And then there there it is. So <laughs> then your weekend gets decided for you. No yeah. no happy hour for for Joe Cook today. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> You still might be able to make that, right? Um, maybe. So, maybe. Uh, hey, Joe, the uh, the question I had um, in listening to uh, what we've talked about for, for a good 30, 45 minutes now about the Longhorns and, and what's going on behind the scenes, you are uh, in a scenario now where it's, it's Steve Sarkeesian's second year. You've seen him go through this process two consecutive years of naming a starting quarterback during fall camp. Um, any takeaways from you on how he did it differently this year than a year ago? Let's see. Last year, it's kind of funny. I'm always on the road kind of the week before the season. And last year, that was when uh, uh, Steve Sarkeesian had got out that he had named Hudson Card starter. It was actually in, in Miami when that happened. Um, and it was it was very different than this. I think other outlets reported it. We reported it. Um, and it was a behind the scenes thing, I think after, after a scrimmage, uh, and it was game week with Louisiana as well. Uh, so a big difference there and something that Sarkeesian harped on all off season was he, he believed it would he, it would improve not just for his team, uh, but for the fan base, even as a secondary consideration, having somebody named earlier than the week before the year last year. Uh, so that was different. Of course, all, obviously, you know, just playing announcing it to the media as we've so started to see some other teams do. Um, I, I mean, I think the most recent example, at least for high profile schools or medium profile schools, Notre Dame made Tyler Buchner, I think, through, you know, an announcement like that. Um, I think South Florida did it with Gary Bohannon via an announcement. Uh, so 
it, that fits in line with some of the other things we've seen from other schools. But as far as Sarkeesian himself, um, you know, first first at Texas, although it is his second year, but uh, I think it was something that he wanted to you know have established because, and I, again, I, I forget who maybe this was posted in the chat or over on the InsideTexas.com message boards. Whoever took the lion's share of the the snaps in the scrimmage is going to get out. You know, we we have very good uh, Texas football sources. A lot of other places obviously have people they talk to, and that's always going to be question one. Hey, which quarterback took the most snaps? Um, that was going to get out. That was probably going to be a really big indicator as we get inside of two weeks. And instead of you know letting uh, speculation run wild and that type of thing, Steve Sarkeesian. Uh, on Friday morning, technically uh, wanted to uh, get all that stuff out and uh, get the process of installing the offense for Louisiana Monroe and finishing up a, a few other places on the depth chart, getting that process started with Quinn Ewers, uh, beginning with the second scrimmage on Saturday. Uh, you're right. Uh, speculation did run wild last night. A uh, couple of different media sources, or at least one in particular, saying that uh, their sources said – uh, Hudson Card would, would be the name, the starter. Uh, that did not occur, obviously, today. Uh, we had heard that uh, it was a back-and-forth battle, thought that maybe Card might be the guy, but certainly didn't step out there and say that he would be or would be likely named it. Um, you know, I think about this um, as we talk about it, and, and some people in the chat right now are mentioning uh, Jordan Whittington. And, Ian, um, as you start a freshman quarterback, like Texas has chosen to do. Uh, how how important is it to have a senior um, like Jordan Whittington stay healthy for this team this year? Uh, because he was their third down solution early in the year. And when he went out, uh, they just almost lost all third down solutions. And essential. Essential. Um, the quarterback needs to know, you know, he's – Quinn yours is going to start with very simple play scripts and very simple reads. And he's going to need to know, if I see this, I throw it here. If I see this, I throw it here. And then the receiver needs to be there. You can't have youth on both sides of the equation or uncertainty on both sides of the equation. Um, you know, you need that reliability. You need a guy that knows how to consistently get open, consistently get to a spot for the quarterback to hit. You need reliable hands. Um, and you need that guy in the huddle to be like, "Hey, man, I'm seeing they're doing this. I need to see that. You need to you need to put it here or or put it here. You know, and give me give me just an extra second, whatever whatever the case may be." Um, Colt McCoy, that was huge for Colt McCoy in his first year at Texas, is that he had all these veterans around him that could kind of uh, steady the room. Uh, I think that Texas, they, I don't know how much they don't really huddle so much anymore, right? But Bijan, Roshan, these guys are going to be essential, especially with all these uh, young offensive linemen likely to be on the field. Um, and then I, maybe to, to your broader point about skill set as well, um, how many guys can he count on getting open at the chains and third down? Worthy, I think, could be counted on for that more this year. Whittington, and then and it gets a little more thin after that with the loss of Mayor because some of these young guys – I don't know. I think Savion Red projects to be that kind of receiver for sure. But 
is he going to be ready and have the mastery of uh, all his releases and the playbook in year one? It would be, it would be tough. Savion Red has gotten praise from basically anybody who's come out and talked to the media, um, whether it be Sarkeesian, whether it was uh, Keandre Coburn today, was um, even Jadavian Sanders. We keep hearing about Savion Red and Bobby at that one of the practices for the viewing that you went to a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it was, you know, you, you noticed him like of all the different skill players that were out there. You're like, hey, that 17 guy can move. And I, something I said, I, I forget where I said it. I think it may have been on, on an earlier video here. Um, you take Devin DuVernay and you split him into two players. You have Brennan Thompson and Savion Red. You have uh, Brennan Thompson's speed. You have Savion Red as like the running back who runs. And then you put them together and you got Devin DuVernay. Um, and we saw how, uh, you know, reliable Devin DuVernay was in multiple senses. He could, you know, he could take the top off the defense, but when he was that running back, you know, a little bit downfield, um, that those reliable hands, the toughness running was, was big. Maybe he's that third down guy. Maybe Jordan Whittington does his best Devin DuVernay impression this year. Uh, but that's going to be, he, he's also, and as we saw from that scrimmage, they're going to move him all over the place. Um, they, he has the ability to play X. Uh, he, uh, he has the ability to play H. Um, and Steve Sarkeesian is not just you know rigid in how he deploys receivers. He puts them all over the field, hunting matchups. But uh, you know, I, uh, Jordan Whittington is definitely going to be a big factor. But Savion Red could be someone that at H they they use because he'll know what to do. He'll know where to go. Um, Steve Sarkeesian wants his players to know why they're doing things, but he also understands that at this point in their career for Savian Red, especially for Brendan Thompson, especially that may not be there, but if they can go quickly, um, and, and, and do it efficiently, that may still get them on the field. Um, and sounds like both those guys have a good contention. They want a, a top six. Um, and you know, those guys seem like they're fighting for spots five and six right now. I'm going to take this one because I, I got to tell the I got to say this: the difference between the way the way we reported it and the way others reported the the card uh, and yours uh, wrap up uh, or situation is this: um, we had heard card was doing well, thought that he had, had was close to wrapping it up, et cetera, but we didn't go out and trumpet that card has been named is going to be named the starter according to six sources, you know, and we didn't trumpet it with you know an Elmo meme either. So I, I say all that or make it sound like uh, this is something some people decide to do it a different way and go about their business a different way. That's fine. Uh, but when you're wrong, own up to it, uh, I think is the best way to put it. And uh, I feel like uh, when we uh, do that, uh, we, we do it appropriately uh, and have done so and, and kept our, uh, kept our, Cooth about us, I guess, is the thing. I'm going to something else that that I want to talk about uh, as it relates to Quinn Ewers being named starter, started uh, starter. Ian, more focus on the run game than ever before. Is this a telltale sign that they're going to start with the run game? You know what? <laughs> I think that was baked in, anyways. Especially the more freshmen you see on the offensive line, the more you can be sure that they're going to rely on the run game. Um, now, some of these young tackles are actually more talented 
and uh, may be able to hold up a little better one-on-one against a pass rush than like last year's tackles, for instance. But part of what makes a good line in pass protection is cohesion and experience. Because uh, even if a team can't just whip you around the edge, they will throw all kinds of uh, shenanigans at your offensive line to confuse them and, and, and get through at other points. The emphasis on playing freshmen with their size and power on the offensive line means you are going to want to lean on the run game. And then, you know, having four or five excellent running backs is a reason to rely on the run game. Having multiple good tight ends is a reason to, uh, you know, you go down the list, it's possible that it makes sense why it would be why the viewers, right? If you know that you're going to lean on those factors, then it's really just a matter of uh, if you are just a more talented passer, which we know he is, then the question becomes, can we trust him to manage the game well enough in order to get his talent on the field? Uh, it seems that Sark had answered that question um, to his satisfaction this week. Um, Joe, uh, quickly to you. Uh, the question I have is about where you think Texas goes from here after tomorrow's scrimmage with the rest of the depth chart. Do you think that gets announced on Monday or Sunday? I don't know if they'll announce it uh, publicly, but I think it'll be pretty solidified privately. And, and may, if not, they may give it one or two more practices um, to start working uh, before they really you know, split and have – the top two, maybe three guys, and then the scout guys. Uh, that, that we're kind of at that point in the year where, where that starts happening, especially after that second scrimmage. And guys need to know their roles, what they need to get ready for, and then also, of course, start preparing for Louisiana Monroe, that first opponent. So I bet that either uh, begins maybe with Monday's practice. I don't know. Like I said, I don't know if they're going to announce and give out an official depth chart or anything like that. Uh, but they may have one internally, and if they don't on Monday, they're going to have one probably no later than, you know, maybe Wednesday after Wednesday's practice. Actually, they don't practice Wednesday after Thursday's practice next week because it'll be time to, you know, bat down the hatches for the season. Yep. Uh, just wrapping up here, Texas has a cl- uh, scrimmage number two tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. Uh, we hope to have some report from that, although we are not allowed uh, to be there as a media entity, so uh, be aware of that. Uh, number two is uh, uh, I want to wrap up the injuries that Texas has got right now that we're aware of. Alfred Collins still out. Cole Hudson, uh, we can now report that he's been in the concussion protocol all week. We expect him back, not necessarily tomorrow, uh, but early next week. Uh, Roshan Johnson still out um, for, uh, for uh, another week or so, at least with a sprained ankle. Uh, Jade Barron is on his way back, we believe, right, Joe? Uh, just nod if you agree with that. Um, and then I think that is about it. Uh, Isaiah Naor and Junior Angelau obviously out for the season from earlier this year. Um, last but not least, uh, the Horns have their quarterback. That's what this is all about today. 2022 quarterback is Quinn Ewers from South Lake Carroll, uh, right-hander, number three on the on the, your roster. Uh, so, Joe. Uh, Ian, thank you all for joining me today on this live chat. Uh, Jerry Hamilton was in earlier. Thank you to him as well. Uh, For the rest of the crew, as well as Matt Hutchison, our producer, I'm Bobby Burton, and this has been On Texas Football.